<laughs> I think we say he is risen. Does anybody know the? Yeah, some of you guys come from that background. It's good to have you guys. I see a lot of new people here today. So very thankful that you guys are with us. We're, we're joining today uh, in celebrating Jesus, celebrating the resurrection with Jesus, of Jesus with churches all around the country, throughout the entire, you know, history of mankind. I'll tell you, it's an exciting time. There are churches all over the city, some of them having several services, some of them having outdoor services. So it's a really amazing day. So glad that you guys are here. Um, not only is today Easter, but it's the beginning of a series, as you just saw the bumper um, series called Love Reigns. For the next four weeks, we're going to explore how Jesus has transformed our past, how he ministers into our present, and how he, he gives us hope for the future. So uh, come back next week if you're here for the first time. We're so thankful that you're here. Uh, I think Karen maybe mentioned this, but there's a, on our website you can go. There's a little button that says, hey, I'm new here. I can fill out some information. We'll send you information about, about the church. We promise not to spam you. We say this all the time. I know you guys get a lot of emails and a lot of information. We promise not to do that. And it, what keeps us honest is at the bottom of all of our emails we send, there's a little unsubscribe button. And if we bother you too much, you can hit that and you won't hear from us again. So we, it keeps us honest. But we want to give you information about what, who we are and what we're doing as we kind of go into the future. Um, so many people underestimate the power of love, um, but personally, I think the power of love is the most commanding force in the world. Um, it's amazing what people will actually do for, in, in the name of love. I remember um, I was in college, and uh, I was coming home. I was in, up in Kentucky, and I was coming home to visit Karen. Karen was working uh, in Birmingham. We'd been dating for a while, and so I was going to come home and surprise her. I was super excited, so you know, I, I didn't tell her, um, which is probably a bad idea. <laughs> And so I, I, I got home, and I surprised her. She was working. She was a manager at a store in a mall. And I walked in and surprised her. She was so excited. I was like, I'm here for the weekend, and woo, we can spend time together. It's going to be so fun. She's like, uh, uh, no. <laughs> I'm like, what did I do wrong, you know? And so she's like, no, I, I have tickets to Tina Turner. And I was like, yeah, but me, you know, <laughs> I mean, t don't get me wrong, Tina Turner's amazing, right? But, you know, I'm here, so I don't know. But anyway, I loved her so much, of course, and I was like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I should have called, should have let you know I was coming. And it was just one night anyway. She was, already had connection with her friends. I'm like, listen, just go, have a blast, go and do, do everything that you want to do, have a good time. I'll be here, and I'll catch up with you, you know, in the morning. We'll spend the rest of the weekend together. Anyway, what's love got to do with it? But anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so there can, uh, I want to just start with this truth. There can, there can only be one king. And I know that's kind of an interesting thing to say, kind of weird. I want to explain it a little bit. Um, for 33 years, Jesus lived on the earth. And he went about, the Bible says he went about doing good. He did incredible things. Um, he served people. Obviously, he healed the sick. He, he, people were delivered from demonic and oppression. I mean, he was just changing people's lives left and right. The problem was he was causing a lot of conflict in the area that he was in. So most of, most of you guys know that Rome was kind of the power at the time, and so they had put a vassal king in place. Herod, Herod was the king there, and so Herod was a tyrant, of course. If you go back and read the story about Herod, he was not the greatest of kings. Um, he was pretty nervous. He was scared of his kids coming to power, and it turned out that that was, that was probably a valid fear. But he was really, really afraid when Jesus began to uh, ra uh, reign up or uh, raise up in popularity. He was really concerned that there was another king coming on the scene. And so for, it, for all intents and purposes, he said, basically, he said, there can only be one king over Israel, and it's going to be me. So a lot of things went into effect. Most of us know the story about Easter. <clears throat> uh, the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman centurions worked together to have Jesus arrested, 
um, they brought him and uh, before the thank you, brother, appreciate it. They brought him before um, the the courts. He was found guilty. They beat him almost to death. Um, it's it's just I mean go go back and read it. It's 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 an incredible story if you haven't ever read it. And uh, and eventually they made him carry his own cross up to the hill that they were going to kill him on. And so I just want to read you a passage. This is a simple passage in Matthew 27. That's kind of a picture of some of the things that were happening in that moment. It says, as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, and this is really interesting, we'll talk about this in a second, but above his head, they placed the written charge against him, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by um, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. If you are the son of God, in the same way, Um, Sorry, in the same way the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him, and they said he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. So what they were saying, obviously, was, you know, impress us. If you, You claim to be the king of the Jews, but here you're on a cross, so I don't know if maybe that's true, right? So it was not bearing out. They were looking at this and saying the circumstances are telling me something. And it's, it's obviously telling me that you're not the king. So the soldiers mocked him. They placed a sign over his head, the king of the Jews, but they didn't believe it. And so often people, you hear people say, you know, they believe in Jesus, but which Jesus do they believe in, right? Do they, they believe in a Jesus who's actually a king, is actually their king, or do they just believe in a historical Jesus to some aspects of it that they've made up themselves? Um, so they just didn't believe it, um, and they mocked, you know, the chief priests mocked him, and they said, if you're, if you're so powerful, if you're the son of God, then come down off the cross. Save yourself. You talk about saving others, why can't you even save yourself? But here's the thing. Um, the true test of Jesus' power and authority was not in his ability to save himself from the crucifixion. See, this is what they missed. But it was in his ability to overcome the death that the crucifixion would result in. Right, So what happened is they, they started too early in deciding who the winner was. <laughs> you ever do that? <laughs> and so they, they said, look, it looks like Jesus is finished. And, you know, we've heard all the stories, the illustrations, there are beautiful songs written about this. But that was kind of the aspect of it. They saw circumstances that were not telling them the thing that they thought it was going to tell them. And so often we miss the, the lordship of Christ for, for a very simple reason. We expect him to do something in a certain way, and he does it in a totally different way. I've been serving Jesus for 30-something years, 34 years now, and, and it never ceases to amaze me of the way I think he's going to do something and how so often he doesn't do it that way. And, I, you know, and I, you think I would, you think I'd be past that, <laughs> but it still captures me, and what I find when I'm doing that is so often it's happening because I'm trying to do things my way, and I actually don't even realize that I am. So even in, a, even in the best of hearts, even someone who loves the Lord, so often we get caught into a mindset about how something needs to work out, and it makes no sense. I love the, the testimony that Gracie and Alan were sharing and how she had this vision. You know, she kept seeing Denny visions, like, what in the whole world does that mean, <laughs> right? And so, again, God's like, just wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, right? 
And so I just love that, especially with them being young, starting, you know, starting a life together and, and, and getting married. And, and you know, it's just going to be amazing. And God's promise to them is, look, I showed you ahead of time that I'm capable. I'm, I'm, I can do this. Now, what I want you to learn from that is that you can trust what I'm saying, right? It's a really powerful thing. So often people will never trust in Jesus because he, he's not doing things according to their expectations. They won't trust him unless he heals someone or themselves. They won't trust him unless they give him a job, although he likes doing that, apparently, right, Gracie? Uh, they, they won't, it's like, Lord, if you were really who you said you are, then you would do this. I look at the world and go, you, don't, you know, Lord, if you were really the king of, of, of Israel, then, you know, we would have a different president right now. Or, or we would have had a different president four years ago, depending on your, your leaning, right? So the whole point is, is we, we, want him, we so often want Jesus to do something that we want him to do, but he's just, he, he actually thinks he's the king. I, I don't know why, but he actually, he actually thinks that he's in charge. So, so often, if we demand Jesus to prove himself on our terms, what happens is we rob ourselves of him working in our lives. And we're like, Lord, why aren't you doing this for me? And the Lord is like, why aren't you listening to me? <laughs> we're, having a, we're having a battle of the wills, and, and you think you're going to win, right? I just love that. But he's kind. I, what I love about it is he's so kind when he does that. Um, so Herod was not the last one, obviously, to be threatened by the king of Jesus, uh, the, the, the Jesus being the king. There, there's so often the, this challenge as we move into understanding who Jesus is, we want him to be a certain kind of Jesus. We, the best way to put it is we want to add Jesus to our life. We say, you know, I've met some Christians. Some of them are weird, let's be honest. Um, those, are, those are new Christians. We're working on those guys, okay? Um, <laughs> or some of them are unhealthy Christians. That's a whole other series. But the whole point is, is, is we, we, we have these expectations of what Jesus is going to do, what he's, what he's going to do to change our lives. So we maybe have dabbled in um, making him Lord. Maybe we've gone to church. Maybe we grew up in church. And we've got this idea of who Jesus is and it's actually not the Jesus that has been revealed in Scripture. So we have to be really, really careful. So I want to just kind of give you an illustration um, of, of the lordship of Jesus. So often uh, it's been said that whoever sits on the throne of your heart rules your life, right? So whatever, whatever your God is, whatever is the most important thing, that's the thing that actually rules your life. My wife and I were talking the other day about how, how it's interesting when people say they can't afford certain things. And then they can afford, but funny enough, they can afford the things that they want. <laughs> and that's true of me. Like, I'm like, why would somebody pay so much money for that? And then I go and pay so much money for something that I like, right? It's a little judgy, but that's kind of how it works. But so often, whoever's sitting on the, on the throne uh, of your heart, whoever sits in that place is the one who rules. And so the, the truth is that we can do that ourselves, like this chair we have here. I can sit on the throne of my own life. And I have. Um, there was a testimony Dave was sharing earlier. Dave Weisiger was t- talking about how he lived for himself. And this is what we so often do. We, we sit on the throne of our life. We rule, but we rule selfishly. Everything we do is all about what can be done for us. So there's, there's only really two choices. You can sit on the throne of your life, right? How's that working out for you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you could get up and you could offer the throne of your life to somebody else. Because here's the truth, there can only be one king. So it's either going to be you or it's going to be Jesus. Amen? So you're welcome for a simple illustration. I know that helps me. <laughs> so here's the thing, we have to choose what we're going to do. But here's, here's the truth about this whole concept. If Jesus is dead, then none of this matters. Nothing I'm saying has any validity whatsoever. 
Uh, scripture puts it something like this, that if, if um, Jesus hasn't raised from the dead, then we, of all people as Christians, we're the one in need of hope because it turns out that we don't have any. Now, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But that's kind of the, the scenario. But here's the thing. If Jesus did raise from the dead, then that changes everything. And that's what Easter is about. That's what Easter is all about. It's celebrating the fact that Jesus did raise from the dead. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm a skeptic by nature. Um, my personality type, my gift set, I'm a learner. Um, I, I, four of my strengths are, are about thinking. That doesn't mean I'm smart. It just means I'm in my own head a lot of times, right? So here's the thing. I, would, I, I was skeptical of everything. And I read some things about Jesus. I read, of course, in Scripture, and I was like, well, how do I even know that the Bible's true? So I went on this journey, and here's the thing. I, I didn't immediately put my trust in Christ. I said, this is intriguing. And, and I was honest, and I read something somewhere where, where a man was told, if, if you want Jesus on the throne of your heart, the real Jesus, then you have to put truth on the throne of your heart. And see, for me, that was really, really big. There are basically two types of people. There are people who walk into a room and flip the light switch on and go, that's cool, the lights came on. And then there's me who wants to know why the lights came on, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I, I did something over here, but it did something over here. Like, how did that happen? So I want to figure that stuff out. Now, I don't need super deep details, but that's just kind of my nature. And, and I, I imagine there's, in this room, there's two kinds of people today. Some of you are like, hey, I hear something, it's compelling, I, I recognize that it's true, I believe it, and I go after it, and I'm done, and I'm off to the races, and that's wonderful. But if, maybe if you're like me, you need to pursue what Jesus has said, pursue the truth about Jesus, and I want to challenge you to do that, but do it this way. Put truth on the throne of your heart, because you can make, let's be honest, go on the internet, you can make the internet say anything you want it to, right? You can find compelling um, direction for any particular idea that you want to pursue. If you want to believe that the earth is flat, there's a place for you on the internet, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, and it is, by the way, the earth is flat. So I'm one of those guys, I'm, I'm just kidding, I don't believe that. But here's the thing, if you, if you want to find the truth about who Jesus is, you actually have to be honest and, and have a, a heart that's honest. But if you choose not to do that, then all, all we, we do is what we typically do is we just stick our head in the sand and we just go one more day. We go, you know what, it's not working, but I'm going to try something else. I did that. I tried everything I could think of. So, uh, you know, a little bit of my story. Um, I, was, I was a martial artist at a very young age. I had a black belt. Eventually I owned my own school. I went into um, uh, 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 some, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it without, well, I'll just, I'll just say it. I went to an audition in Hollywood for a, a very particular movie with a teenage martial artist. And so... <laughs> Um, I didn't get the part, obviously, because I'm here and he's somewhere else. <laughs> but I was at that level where I was competing at a high level. I had, the world was at my fingertips, honestly. I mean, I was, I was 15 years old, and I was looking at buying a brand new Corvette. So, you know, that's coming from the kind of background that I came from, which was very, very poor. There was a lot riding on my own ability and my own skill. I could kick a basketball goal when I was 15 years old. Now I can kick a basketball <laughs> so, but here's the thing, that stuff, as much as I thought it was important, it was valuable, it turns out that it wasn't that much. And so by the time I was 17, 18 years old, um, I, I had accomplished a lot in life. There was something going on inside of me about I was questioning things because I was seeing things a little more accurately than I was when I was younger. And then I had a, a friend of mine, a girl, she used to be a girlfriend, we had broken up, but she, she was killed in an accident. And I remember going to her funeral, and I remember putting my hand on her hand, and, and it was cold. 
And I remember this, this weird thing that happened to me, you know, this mixture of grief, concern, wonder, what, I, I, don't know, I don't get this, confusion, all those things going on in my heart. And I remember thinking, this thought came to my head, it's like she was really vivacious and big personality, and I remember thinking, she is not here anymore, but she's somewhere. Right? It, never, it never crossed my mind that she had just ceased to exist. Like that, I can't, that can't bear out. And, and, and here's the truth, if that's, if that's true, if we just stop existing and there's nothing else after we die, then nothing you do is worth anything. If you take that philosophy to its end, it is absolutely hopeless. There is no hope without Jesus. There's just no hope. So I discovered Jesus. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But I want to share a quick story about a, a famous artist named Paul Gustave Doré. Some of you guys have heard of him. He was a, a prolific and successful illustrator of books. He was an incredible artist. <clears throat> he had illustrated Dante's The Divine Comedy, which was a pretty big deal back then, especially they didn't have, you know, um, <laughs> they didn't have ways to do that without erasing it, right? I mean, he had to be pretty precise. Um, he also was asked to illustrate the works of Lord Byron, which was pretty important. And so he was really famous in that day. And so he was in Europe, and he had lost his passport, and he was coming up on this, uh, coming up on a, a border crossing. And so he was hoping that the people would recognize him, the guards would recognize him. So he went up to him, and he said, hey, listen, I, I, you know, I'm Doré, I've lost my passport, and they're like, sure you have, right? <laughs> he's like, no, no, I'm a famous artist, like, don't you recognize me? And they're like, no, we don't, right? So he's like, um, well, I, I'm, I really am who I said, and they said, well, how, how can we know that? So often people come through, and he said, well, um, I, I don't know, but I really am. He said, I'll give you a test. The guard said, I'll give you a test. Here's a pencil and a piece of paper. Draw those people. It's a pretty good test, <laughs> So he did it so fast and so incredibly well that the guard said, totally believe that, and he let him through. I, mean, I don't think they do that today, but he totally let him through. And, and the whole point behind this is that Dore's work, right, proved who he was, right? And so Jesus is the same way. His work, Jesus' work, confirmed his word, confirmed the truth of who he said he was. Jesus died and was raised again. Again, this is not something, people say, well, how can you know that that is true? That's a really good question. Do you mean it? See, I actually, when I asked that question, I said, how can I know whether Jesus was raised from the dead? Can you even know? And it turns out that you can. There is evidence. And I'm not going to go into all that. I, that was a journey for me that took a long time. I've talked about it in different places in uh, different sermons over the years. But the whole point is, is recognizing that if Jesus was raised from the dead, then he was who he said he was, and that has implications to your life and mine. There's an amazing scripture we've all um, I'm sure heard this scripture at one time, it's John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life, have eternal life. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage. So we know Jesus was sent to the earth. The Father sent the Son. Jesus said, I will go. This all happened before time began, this agreement that this is going to take place. And Jesus comes to earth, he lays his life down for us. There's a great exchange available to us now. But here's the interesting thing. We know that this is true. We know this is powerful because here's what happens if Jesus did raise from the dead. The worst thing that will happen to you will not be the last thing that will happen to you. See, dying is not, you, you begin to not fear death. Now, I'm, I'm not excited about how it's going to happen, right? I'm hoping that I 
die while I'm praying, <laughs> right, or sleeping. That, that, that would be awesome. I, I, I'd like to not even know it happened. I'd like to just wake up, oh, hey, Jesus, oh, hey, Jesus, right? <laughs> then I realize it. That's what I'm hoping for. But, but I don't fear death, and, and, and I used to. I, I used to fear the end, whatever that was, because it was so confusing and so fearful. But I don't do that anymore. So after Jesus raises from the dead, his final words to his followers were really powerful. This is Matthew 28. It says, Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What an amazing, amazing promise. Easter is the day that all authority was given to Jesus. It's all his now. Doesn't belong to anybody else, but it can belong to you. If you're, if, if you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you. His final instructions was very interesting. He said, go into the world and make disciples. And we, you and I have been invited to go do that. The, the Greek word for disciple just literally means learner. When we hear people so often in church, I don't know if you grew up in church, but so often we say, um, you know, bow your head, close your eyes, nobody looking around. So I was always looking around. <laughs> I don't know if you're like that. Nobody tells me what to do, pastor, you know, <laughs> a little bit rebellious. Um, but, and, and we, we pray the prayer, you know, we pray the sinner's prayer. And, and I, I remember thinking, is it, is it that easy? Like, is it just this incantation? If you say the words the right way, that somehow Jesus magically does what he magically does. And the answer is no, that's not true. The Bible talks about us having to believe something that's true. We have to believe in what Jesus did. We can't just acknowledge it. Intellectual assent doesn't mean anything. The Bible says that the devil believes that, that, God, that Jesus is God. The devil believes that Jesus has authority. The devil believes that, maybe he doesn't believe that he's going to end one day because he's pretty prideful. But he, he believes in God. And so, so often you hear people say, well, I'm, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I'm like, man, even the devil believes in God. Like, how bad is it that you're below the devil, right? It's, even the devil believes it, right? And so, <laughs> so the thing is, is his final instructions have, have been told us to go and teach people to obey Jesus. Like, like there's some aspects that change in your heart when you become born again, when you really believe what Jesus has done in your life, and you accept him, you, you invite him to be the Lord of your life, then there are a lot of things that, that for me anyway, that changed immediately. I, I was in the military, and I quit cussing. I don't even know how that happened. I didn't even know you could quit cussing if you were in the military, right? But I did. It just, I just recognized one day I, I stopped using language that I'd been using. But there are other things that I struggled with because there were things in my mind that had not been transformed. So what we find is Jesus will transform your heart, but you have to learn of him. You have to be transformed in your mind for many other areas in our life to teach you how to stop living selfishly. So how do you do that? You have to let love reign in you. So today, if you consider yourself a Christian, the, the instruction has been given to you. Go and make disciples and teach people to obey what Jesus said to do. So here's the thing. We, we so expect people who are not Christians to do the right thing. But it's not in their nature to do it. Because when you become a believer, what happens is you get a new heart and you get a nature. And now it is within you to do right and to do good. And you know how I know this? I, one, one person, I said this one time and I got in big trouble. But I said, if you really want to know if you're a Christian or not, I want you to leave today and go sin some juicy sin. And I don't really mean that part of it, but I'm just using this illustration. Go and sin some big juicy sin and tell me how you feel. Because I remember I could sin 
really well <laughs> and feel fine with it. I was like, oh, that hurt that guy. Oh, that's too bad. He should have been paying attention, right? I kicked a guy one time. I was in the martial arts, and this, one of the black belts in my school challenged me. And so, like I said, I think a lot more than maybe I should. And so he was a little, he was a little bit better at certain aspects of the art than I was, so I had to be smarter. And so we bowed, and he had braces, and I kicked him in the mouth on purpose. I was good at what I did. I mean, I was like, I'm going to win at any cost. And I was like, I walked away and go, that'll teach him, right? <laughs> I feel horrible about that now, yeah? But then I was proud. I was like, yes, you know, a little more notch on my pistol, right? But here's the thing. When I got saved, I could, if I did something like, first of all, that thought comes in my head would, would challenge me. I, I can't fathom doing the wrong thing. And if I do, if I do fall into sin, fall into temptation because of old patterns or whatever, I feel horrible about it. Why? Because I have a new heart and a new nature that is made for good, made for living sacrificially, made for living the way Jesus lived. But without it, I'm in trouble. So I told you my story. I spent, I spent 30 years following Jesus. Become, trying to become more and more like Jesus. And here's the thing I found. So often in the early days, I was trying to be like Jesus without Jesus. You ever do that? It's really difficult, it turns out. It turns out that it's not about me doing the right things. It's about believing first the right thing. And that's that Jesus transformed my life for me. He paid the price I couldn't pay. And when I recognize that, what happens is I settle into a place of rest, knowing that God is for me, he's with me, he's teaching me, he's guiding me. And when I miss it, he's not up there with a big hammer waiting to smite me, right? But that's what we've been taught. But that's not Jesus at all. So the final reminder that we were given by Jesus was really interesting. He said he will be with us always to the end. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been doing it without Jesus, but it is no fun at all, especially if you're a Christian. <laughs> right? I'm trying to serve in the kingdom without the king. So Jesus tells this story about two sons, right? The one son goes off, spends all of his dad's money, comes back, he's accepted in, he's, he's rescued, he comes back with a servant mentality, says, you know, I'll serve you really hard now. And, and the father's like, no, it was never about that. I love you, you're in, right? I'm going to put shoes back on your feet, the whole thing. And the, and the picture of this story was really not about that son because he was talking to Pharisees, religious people. And on the other end is this other son who's been with him the whole time. He's working hard in the fields. And he doesn't know his father. And that was what Jesus was trying to tell, tell us, that religion is not enough. Because religion is not born out of love. It's born out of doing the right thing. And those are not the same things. Think about it. If Jesus wanted to judge us, he and he alone was the only one who could. And he didn't. He didn't. As a matter of fact, he said, we were judged already. That's why he came and he went to the cross. So that he could take the penalty of all of your brokenness, all of your sin, all of your selfishness upon himself. Why? So he could make you right? That's a byproduct of what happens, but it's not why he did it. He did it because he loves you. He loves you. Why would he, let me ask you this, why would he love you any less after you've committed your life to follow him and to serve him and to be a disciple? And the truth is, he won't. And so often we, we get saved and recognize that love is reigning in us in the beginning and then immediately turn around and let religion reign in our lives. And Jesus is against it. 
Go back and read. He was really angry with religious people. Really angry because they were painting a picture of God that wasn't accurate. So let me close with this. I believe there's two types of people in the room this morning. One, there's some here who have never made the decision to let love reign in your life. You've never made the decision to follow Jesus. And that's what it's about. It's about following Jesus. So I want to I just challenge you a little bit. Um, I think some of us are waiting for Jesus to prove himself in a way that, that it hasn't happened yet. Jesus, if you're real, you will. And I think sometimes you, 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 we think that we can come to Jesus that way. And you can't. There has to be a brokenness. There has to be a submission that comes and says, I've, I've actually sinned against you, God. I've, I've broken your laws. I've broken your commandments. I've lived apart from you, selfishly ruling over all my, my own life as a king. And I have to lay that down, and that takes some humility. You can't be prideful and, be, and be, become a believer. You just can't do it, right? That's why the devil can't get saved. He's so full of pride, he could never admit his need for God. He would, the Bible talks about him being in heaven and being cast out because he wanted to set himself even above God. But that's exactly what you and I do when we live selfishly, we live our lives for ourselves. So maybe you're young this morning, and you've got your whole life ahead of you, and you're thinking, man, all the great things that I could do in my life. And that's true. There's potential built into every single one of us. But that was potential, that potential was designed to be lived in submission to the king of the universe, the king who made everything and everybody. And the purpose that you're looking for, you're only going to find in him. And I know that because I tried it. I tried, I, I was, I was going to become an architect. I had this whole idea about who, my, what my life was going to be and who I was going to be. And I met Jesus and I realized that I was trying to live a life that was always his anyway. And what I discovered is when I gave my life away to him, he gave his life to me, and what he gave me was so much better than anything I had ever done or ever could come up with. There's purpose. There's satisfaction. There's joy. There's no fear. When COVID came, I was never afraid even when I got COVID. And it was like, you know what? You might die. I might. The truth is, I'm going to. <laughs> At some point, I'm going to. Right? We live in a broken and fallen world. And everybody's going to. One evangelist said 10 out of 10 people die. Statistics don't lie, right? <laughs> so part of what today is, and it's a beautiful thing, is it, it challenges you to look at your life and say, what am I actually living my life for? Is the purpose that I'm trying to build my life to, to get more money, to get a better house, to get people to like me or love me or see me, whatever that may be, is that purpose really high enough? Because I would, I would submit to you that the purpose Jesus has for you is sacrificial. And everything's sacrificial. We talked about this on Easter, that a seed goes into the ground. One seed goes into the ground. It has to die. But in its death, it's resurrected, and a tree comes up that bears fruit year after year after year after year. So it's so much bigger than what we can do for ourselves. So maybe um, you don't want to give up control of your life. Maybe you like being in control. Let me just say this, and I can be as bold as I possibly can. You're going to give it up one day. You just are. When I was 20, I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. <laughs> I remember going, I was in Desert Storm in my early 20s in the Air Force. They sent us over into the, into the wilderness, it turned out. And I remember 
going over there, and I was thinking, man, this is bad. Like, they were sending scuds in on our base every single night. They were blowing up, and we were jumping in holes. It's like, ah. And there was a million-man army. I know they were coming. And I was like, ah, right? <laughs> like I said, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm just not interested in dying that way. I was not, it's not a pleasant way to go. And so I remember praying, like, God, you called me to preach. You called me. You have put this purpose in my life, and now I'm going to get killed in the middle of the desert? I mean, like, what a horrible, at least let me die in the woods in Alabama. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> Much better way to go. <laughs> and, I, and the Lord spoke to me, clear as a bell. He said, you're not going to die. I mean, clear as a bell. I was invincible. I mean, I was before. I said, no, I was, right? Now I'm absolutely invincible. And I'm like, you know, I'm all bowed up. I'm like, look at, I'm look proud, a little bit arrogant, right? And then it dawned on me, he never, he didn't say I was coming home with all my arms and legs. And I was like, oh, <laughs> quality of life matters so <laughs> I was the first one in the hole and the last one out right <laughs> and my point is is I remember going into this going Lord I if I go now I go now right I've given my life to you I wish I'd given it more time but God in his grace and his mercy is so incredible um Karen's dad is he was 90 years old right when he died and we came here 11 years ago and we came he was uh, the quintessential 70s player if you, I mean, he was just, he was Hugh Hefner only without the mansion. I mean, just to tell you, this is who her dad was. He was, he, was a, he was an incredible guy in a million different ways, but he was a sinner for sure, right? And he said to me one time right before I went up to preach, he said, give him hell, Dave. I was like, I don't think you can say that about, about preaching, but I get what you mean, Ray. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> he was always for us. And, you know, he, we'd ministered to him and witnessed to him. And Karen had shared with him right before he passed away. She had shared with him. She said, you know, Dad, it's good people. It's, it's not good people that go to heaven. He's like, what? And so she got to tell him the story about the gospel and, and what Jesus did. And that all of us, she got to share that. And we shared it so many different ways. And then he went into the hospital just a month or two before he passed away. And uh, Alan Mitchell went up to pray for him. And while he was praying for him, Alan just asked him, he said, are, you know, Ray, are you a believer? And he said, no. He said, would you like to be? And he said, yeah. I was like, it was that easy, Alan? Why aren't you teaching courses about this at our church, right? <laughs> but it was beautiful. And Alan was his lawyer and his friend. And he wasn't us. That was probably part of it as well. But what was amazing is I look back at that 90 years he lived for himself. And a month, maybe a month and a half, two months before he died, he gave himself to Christ. Now think about those two guys who died next to Jesus. One of them was prideful and arrogant. If you are who you say you are, then save us too. And one of them recognized who he was and said, Lord, will, will you remember me when you get to paradise? When, when you, will you remember me when you get in your kingdom? Because I know it's coming. And he said, today you're going to be in my parents. Do you know that guy never led a Bible study? He never paid tithes. He never, he, he prayed that one time, <laughs> right? I don't know if you ever prayed before. He never went to church, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And he gets to go to the same heaven that you and I do. Now, I'm hoping I get more rewards than him. I'm just being honest, <laughs> right? I, I think, though, when, when, when the bottom level of heaven is, you know, the streets are paved with gold, I'm not sure how many more rewards are going to matter, right? And, and the biggest part of it is you get to be with Jesus forever. And so again, maybe you don't want to serve God because you think that you're in control of your life. But that's just an illusion that's going to go away 
quickly. If you're 20, it may take a few years, it may take a while. Maybe you get to 90 and you realize I was never in control ever anyway. And everything I did for myself didn't really matter. And so I want to encourage you. I just want to pray a prayer with you. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. It's not magic. And I want, to be in, I, want to, I want to make sure that you understand this. The prayer doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. <laughs> okay? Praying it in church, doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. What it's about is about believing something in your heart, believing that what Jesus did is true, and then receiving him in your heart and submitting your life to him and following after him. So if that's you, um, you want to pray this prayer, could all of us maybe just bow our heads? And if that's you, you can pray this prayer. You can pray it, pray it out loud. You can pray it, you know, under your breath. You can pray it when you get home if you want. I don't care. <laughs> but I want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer. So I just want to pray it out loud. Jesus, I confess that I've lived my own way and under my own authority for far too long. I've sinned against others, and I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry, and I ask your forgiveness. I believe that you died and that you rose again for me. I welcome your spirit to work in my life, and I choose to obey you above everything else. I want to join you in sharing the good news of this resurrection life. Thank you, Lord, for promising to always be with me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to say this. If you prayed that prayer with a sincere heart, you have become a Christian. You're going to begin to see changes in your life. It's amazing. If you're online and you prayed that prayer, I, I remember praying that prayer and I walked out the door after I prayed a prayer like that. I don't remember what, what my, my prayer was something along this line. I've tried everything else. I may as well give you a shot. Not exactly a good theological prayer, but I, I believed it and I meant it from my heart. And I walked out. We were in the German Alps and we were looking over the, uh, it was at a conference there. I was looking over the mountains and I saw something I'd never seen in my whole life. I saw the mountains were pointing to heaven. I saw the trees had their limbs uplifted in worship to God. I had been, I had grown up in the woods outside of Birmingham, Alabama, my whole young life, and had never realized that the very creation I was playing in was worshiping the whole time I'd been playing there. And he'd been looking over me with love and kindness, and he's still doing that with you. The other kind of person in the room today is maybe you've trusted in Jesus before, but you've grown tired of obeying him. Maybe you feel like he's let you down. Maybe you've strayed and you began to live for yourself whatever the case may be, I just want to remind you what Jesus said at the very end of Matthew. I will always be with you. Good luck turning your back on Jesus because he will hunt you down <laughs> and wrap his arms around you and love you right back in the moment you first gave your life to Jesus. So I'm not going to pray for you. You know how to pray. But I want to encourage you. Would you once again commit your life to obedience and say, Lord, I... I I want to I know you better. I've gone astray. I'm ready to come back. Can I tell you there's joy in heaven. The Bible says when, a, when it's a sinner comes to know Christ. But there's joy in heaven when a son looks back to his father again. When a daughter looks back to their father and realizes he never left you even if you left him. You never did. And he's right there right now. So this Easter, may you see the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the proof of his love. And may you let that love reign in your life. May you join God in spreading the good news with the entire world. He is risen. Happy Easter. Here.
gosh, what a great message. Um, the power of the gospel changed my life as a 12-year-old and um, walked through some crazy teenage years and um, gave my life to Christ at 19 again. So I just want you to know I had encounters with the love of God over and over and over again in my life. And it has not stopped for the last 34 years. And it will not stop throughout all of eternity. That is the great love of God for us in Christ Jesus that can never be separated. And so this morning we wanted to say thank you for joining us today for our Easter service. If you would like to have prayer this morning, we'd love to join with you. You can raise your hand. We'll come pray for you. If you'd like to come up to the front, our ministry team will be up front to pray for you. Um, Some of our leaders from the church will be up front to pray for you. We want to come alongside with you and agree with you and pray for you if you would like that. If you're watching online, also you can contact us on our website. Um, So we would love to be able to be able to stand with you and just tell you how much we've enjoyed you being with us and gathering with us. And we pray that you are blessed beyond measure today and this coming week. And we look forward to seeing all of you again.